You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Flags are flying at half mast in the city of Nelson tonight, honoring an off duty police officer who died in an avalanche. It's the first fatality of the season and it left another officer in critical condition. Catherine Urquhart has more on the tragedy and the impact on the small community. In Nelson, BC, a city of just 10,000, an entire community is devastated. One of its police officers, 43-year-old Wade Tittimore, is dead. Another officer is seriously injured after the two were swept away in an avalanche. I heard about it last night and, uh, you know, it's obviously incredibly tragic. The two off-duty members were skiing near Kasla when they were struck by the slide. Nelson's police chief says both were wearing beacons, which helped locate 28-year-old officer Mathieu Nolay, who was carried into a tree. The way he hit it, he kind of came back up a bit, so they had one arm up uh, out of the snow. So uh, he told me today, like, he, uh, he certain, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the impact with the tree caused a significant number of his injuries, but it also probably saved his life. Both officers came to the community from the Calgary Police Service, which issued a statement saying, we are deeply saddened about the passing of Constable Tittimore. We are wishing a speedy recovery to Constable Nolay. Tittimore leaves behind a wife and two young sons. Wade was a true gentleman, just a very soft-spoken, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he had... Um, you know, he knew how to deal with situations when he needed to, but uh, that was 99% of the time. His uh, soft-spoken gentleman approach uh, dealt with uh, any issues that we had to deal with in the public. Uh, he was a great mentor to the officers in the department. Um, you know, truly one of those guys that everybody looked up to. Everybody really liked him. Only about 20 officers serve the city of Nelson, which is now getting help from nearby RCMP detachments. Nelson is one of the smallest cities in the country to have its own municipal police force, and this tragedy has hit us hard. Professional assistance is being offered to Nelson's grieving police officers, also giving them support, members of this tightly knit community, all of whom have been greatly impacted by this tragedy. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. B.C. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth offered his condolences to the family, friends and colleagues of the officers and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, whose younger brother Michel was killed by an avalanche in 1998, tweeted, I'm incredibly saddened to hear about the death of a police officer near Caslow, British Columbia yesterday. To their family and friends, Canadians are with you and to the officer who was injured, we're wishing you a fast and full recovery. And the manager of the search and rescue group that responded to the distress call near Caslow says the tragedy is a reminder to be prepared for avalanche conditions if heading into the backcountry. Experts say outdoor enthusiasts must be able to self-rescue and carry the minimum amount of equipment to survive, along with doing research on which areas to avoid due to weak levels in the snowpack. Any any caution that you need to take, whether it's snowmobiling or skiing, you need to do that. You need to do your research. So I don't think it's a matter of curtailing activities in the backcountry, so much as ensuring that we're prepared for the eventualities when we do go there. So there's plenty of safe terrain that people can access and enjoy the beauty of British Columbia. 
Avalanche Canada says the snowpack is dangerously weak in BC and across Western Canada. They say it's similar to the conditions back in 2003, which was one of the deadliest years on record for avalanches. We are learning more about the three people found dead inside a Surrey home yesterday. The homicide investigation teams say all three were members of the same family and there is no further risk to the public. As Grace Key reports, friends and loved ones are visiting the Fraser Heights home to leave flowers and pay their respects. Police are confirming a couple and adult son were found dead in this Surrey home on Monday. Preliminary evidence suggests this is an isolated incident. There is no outstanding suspect. All day, friends drop by to pay their respects. They're very, very good family and they're very happy with their life and they, they're very good relationship between each other. They love each other. Victim names are not being released, but friends confirm Leo Lee, wife Tiffany Zen, and son Daniel lived in this Fraser Heights home. Leo tutored math and Tiffany tutored French out of their residence. Their son recently graduated from university in Victoria. This woman says Leo was her golf instructor. She doesn't know who would do this, and they were a good family. She's a really nice teacher. She's always smiling, help people. Very friendly to laborers, to to all the students. All the couple they graduated from uh, Beijing University in China. According to a friend, Tiffany missed a tutoring appointment on Saturday, and the parent tried to contact her. The call came in uh, to, as a check while being. We did attend the residence, and that's what was found there. Upon arrival, officers discovered three deceased adults inside the home. Uh, who are believed to be a part of the same family who resided at residence. On Christmas Eve, Tiffany posted on social media praying for the safety and health of friends and family, wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. Police say they've had no previous negative contact with the family. There's no word yet on a possible motive. Grace Key, Global News. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has executed a search warrant on a large rural property in Surrey. Officers have set up tape around a trailer and several derelict vehicles in the 18200 block of 83rd Avenue. IHIT isn't indicating what investigation this is connected to or what they're looking for. They say due to the size of the property, they do expect to be on site for several days, but they add the large police presence does not indicate any ongoing threat to the public. It is a homicide investigation, it is serious, but uh, the number of police officers and forensic experts that are there, it's more of a reflection of the size of the property. IHIT is working with Surrey RCMP, the Integrated Police Dog Service and Forensic Identification Section in this investigation. Surrey RCMP say they've arrested a man who was on Canada's most wanted list with several outstanding warrants. 42-year-old Amardip Singh Rai was wanted on 17 charges, including sexual assault, assault with a weapon, and confinement. Police say the charges stem from an investigation that goes back to 2019, but when Rye failed to appear in court, ERT executed a warrant at a Surrey residence where he was arrested. Rye remains in custody while awaiting his next court appearance. A young man who died in a Langley crash is being remembered as a loving son, dedicated brother and role model. Taryn Lal's family hangs a memorial poster where the teen died in a single vehicle crash on Saturday evening. Lal lost control of his car near the intersection of Fraser Highway and 228th Street. The force of the crash flattened a fence and toppled a tree. 
He was just 17 years old. Lal's family describes the boy as a beloved student at Tamanawa Secondary in Surrey who was heavily involved in sports. It's, it's hard to put him in words because uh, he was so, so, so charming. Uh, he was so passionate about sports, uh, going to the gym. Uh, you know, he recently started wrestling career and uh, he was doing kabaddi as well. He was so good at school. You can ask anybody at school, his teachers, his friends. He was so, so good. And he was like upcoming star for the sports and for the school as well. The family learned of the crash through iPhone and Tesla notifications. Investigators are still piecing together what led to the crash. The city of Delta is raising a big red flag over the Massey Tunnel replacement, saying a critical overpass was removed from the plans. As Richard Zussman shows us, that second overpass would cut commute times for thousands who live in Ladner, giving them a much better connection to cross the highway. $4.15 billion can buy a lot. What it won't get the people of Ladner is an overpass as part of the new Massey Tunnel. In terms of the scope of the project, we're talking about less than 1%. Uh, it'd be about $40 million to construct uh, this overpass. Delta City Councilor Dylan Kruger says the community has been planning for this overpass, which would connect this stretch of River Road to the area on the other side of the highway. The second crossing out of Delta was a critical access for us. We've been planning our own growth strategy based on having that crossing. Currently, drivers can exit Highway 99 on River Road heading south, but cannot directly get to River Road east of the highway. The original plan had an entry and exit at Highway 17A with connection to the River Road overpass via 60 Avenue. That part of the route has disappeared in the latest plan. Those folks now have to travel all the way through Ladner on one road, Ladner Trunk Road, to hook up down to Highway 17A and into the tunnel. It causes congestion and it adds about 10 minutes onto people's commute times. The provincial government disagrees with the numbers Delta has put forward and believes the overpass would cost much more than $40 million. Victoria is also counting on the federal government to contribute substantial money to the overall project. Ladner knows that to amend an approved project, to in essence open up the scope of the project, which would add more money, that we need that partnership to, to come good. The community is expecting growth in Ladner along this stretch. The projects are relatively new, but once completed will add more pressure to the current road infrastructure. It's vital to do this work now, and that's why you know, it, was, it was planned for, and it makes no sense why this government has scrapped it. Adding additional elements to a project after construction starts adds delays and cost, with Delta hoping the province moves quickly before the overpass gets passed over. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A former Hollywood actor stuck on the downtown east side and his journey to get clean. Plus, straight talk about SROs after years of criticism and often deplorable living conditions. Why the days might be numbered for single room occupancy hotels as an affordable housing option. Those stories next on the News Hour. Amateur chefs feeling a little burned. The risk from gas stoves that might spoil your appetite coming up on the News Hour. And how this smiley face appeared on an Okanagan lake. That's still to come. Right now, though, a news hour follow up on our story about one resident of Vancouver's downtown east side with a remarkable background. As Rumina Dea reports, the man who once co starred with an Oscar winner is hoping he's one step closer to overcoming his addiction. Do you recognize anyone in this picture? 
my god, yeah, yeah. And there's uh, Brad Pitt. Vancouver-born actor Bernie Coulson and Hollywood superstar Brad Pitt dreamed of making it big together when they shared an apartment in L.A. Brad Pitt and you next to Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coulson, now in his 50s, determined to start detox and resuscitate his career and his happiness after a drug overdose almost killed him. Would you like to... Colson has been called a genius on screen. Look at me, my best friend is in prison. The accused with Oscar winner Jodie Foster, one of Colson's most memorable roles. What do you want with me? When we first met Colson, by chance in October, he was on taxpayer-funded drugs, living in social housing on the downtown east side. He was eager to start detox, which was days away, but he was bumped because someone else needed it more. Tell the softy, so I said, yeah, okay, and then they tell me to come back, right? The actor says it's sad. People suffering with addiction who really want a better life are waiting months to get into detox and treatment. Sometimes people um, are gone by then, right? Like, look at this. Look at the statistics of the people that are dropping. Like, there's people dying every day. Like, seriously. Like, people are dying on wait lists. Colson truly touched by family and old friends who have sent him messages of love and support through Global News after his story first appeared. He wants every single person to know he's alive and going to make it this time. Colson is scheduled to enter detox January 14th. It's, it's, it's not um, going to be easy, but I'm going to try my best and... Uh, I, I, I feel it's going to be successful this time. I have a good feeling about it. One final message for his 19-year-old daughter, Kaylee. Don't give up on Dad. I want to say that I love you, and I hope you see this after I go through the stuff and uh, come out shining. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, with the spotlight on some of Vancouver's troubled single-room occupancy hotels, even those who run the facilities admit the system is broken. Many are run down and in need of a lot of repair. Krista Dow shows us why the 7,000 people living in SROs deserve better. In the past week, we have heard a string of stories from residents about their challenges living in SROs. Among them, Rick Peltier, who lives at the Portland Hotel. Its elevator has been broken for the past three months. I gotta walk up eight floors every day, and I go up and down, eh? That's so, gotta be pretty hard for you. Oh, no kidding, because I'm crippled, you know, I got bad hips and back. Peltier's experience not unique. BC's Premier acknowledging SROs are not suitable housing, with many of them in disrepair. I did call you guys, didn't I get you to clean this one, but I didn't really get a response. An inside look at some of the buildings found bathrooms and common spaces filthy. Uh. An aging infrastructure like elevators broken. These old residential hotels in the downtown east side are not uh, fit housing. We need to uh, have a plan for phasing out the SROs. Let them know that you're really serious. Homelessness advocate Judy Graves remembers a time when SROs were dignified places to live. 
She blames poor management, neglect and lack of oversight as reasons why the buildings have deteriorated. What would work again is for the city to do regular team inspections on the buildings and insist that the uh, province and the not-for-profit keep them running at a standard that's fit for human habitation. The province has ordered a review through BC Housing of the way SROs are operated and maintained. But those who operate SROs themselves believe any solution to the housing crisis requires building more of all types of low-income housing and not more studies. It's bricks and mortar, it's, you know, finding land, it's getting a builder, it's getting through a zoning process and it's building housing. Portland Hotel did not provide a response by deadline. Meantime, residents like Peltier stuck waiting for their elevator to get fixed. And I asked them like, when is it going to get fixed? <coughs> they don't seem to know, nobody knows. Krista Dow, Global News. Well, hospitals in B.C. are still as busy as ever right now, with many people still being hospitalized with serious respiratory illnesses. Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria with the latest numbers. Keith? The number is still high, uh, Sophie. The good news is the number of people in hospital with respiratory illnesses, COVID-19, influenza and RSV, has dropped for the fifth consecutive day. The bad news is the number of people in hospital has climbed since yesterday. Here's the numbers uh, as of yesterday. We've got 9,200 uh, base beds, but let's take a look at how many people are in hospital. 10,144, that's 83, uh, increase of 83 overnight. That means 110 capacity of base beds, and it means close to 1,000 people find themselves in surge beds. These are beds that are brought in when the base beds basically are used up and they're located in interesting places in hospitals. It can be in hallways, closets, sunrooms, solariums and such, not in your typical hospital wards. So again, for the fifth consecutive day, more than 10,000 people in BC's hospitals. This is why the emergency uh, operations centers have been set up in the 20 hospitals across BC as this number continues to be quite high every day, even though the number of people mm -hmm. with respiratory illnesses is dropping. And Keith, we've heard a lot over the last few weeks weeks about the pressure on pediatric health care. Now we're hearing mm -hmm. that uh, there are reports some children in critical care in the northern part of BC are being transferred to Vancouver hospitals. Mm. How unusual is that? It's not unusual, but the number is higher this season than it was last season. This does happen from time to time because the resources in Vancouver Area Hospital are far greater than the northern hospitals when it comes to any uh, increase in ICU cases or critical care cases. So last December, 17 kids were taken out of the north down to Vancouver Area Hospitals in ICU. That number this past December, it rose to 25. A reflection we're seeing more kids, younger kids, much sicker this season than they were last season. We've been reporting on that for some time, and that's a reflection of uh, the the numbers coming down from the north. Hopefully things will uh, ease and slow down in, in the coming weeks. Keith, thank you. Mm -hmm. No doubt. All right, coming up, California takes a pounding. We're having unprecedented rain. The former talk show host whose neighborhood is in danger. And good news from the Three Amigos Summit for anyone who wants a quicker way to cross the U.S. border. Good news this evening over at the Patello Bridge. Traffic is steady in both directions and just cleared a stall on the Royal Avenue on-ramp. Through a charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge.
At least one person is dead and a young boy is still missing as flooding and mudslides continue to ravage Santa Barbara County in California, an area that's home to celebrities like Oprah, Prince Harry and Ellen DeGeneres. The entire town of Montecito has been evacuated after a driver in a nearby town was killed and a mother and her five-year-old son were swept away. The mother was rescued, but the search for the boy was called off because of dangerous conditions. This comes as the five-year anniversary of a similar storm in the area uh, arrives, and that one claimed 23 lives. Well, strengthening economic ties is key on the agenda at the so-called Three Amigos Summit between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the Presidents of the United States and Mexico. The three leaders agreeing today to develop a stronger continental supply chain. Kyle Benning reports. The Three Amigos meeting in sunny Mexico City, marking the Prime Minister's first major trip of 2023. North America is the largest free trading bloc in the world, larger even than the European Union. Trudeau's trade-focused trip paid off in part. A dispute between Canada and the U.S. over the treatment of American border guards has significantly slowed the popular Nexus program since March 2020. But today, a breakthrough. In the spring, Canadian applicants will be able to get an interview at certain Canadian airports and then fly to the U.S. to complete their American Nexus interviews. Welcome news for the nearly 100,000 Canadians on the wait list. The reality is we want Americans, want Canadians to come and have easy access to our country for tourism and travel and trade. The war in Ukraine, also a major topic, with Canada announcing their single biggest military purchase for Ukraine yet. Spending $406 million to buy American-made National Advanced Surface-to-Air Missile Systems, which are highly effective at shooting down Russian drones and rockets. Having an air defense system available to the Ukrainians is literally a life and death issue. If you don't have air defense nowadays in a contemporary or against a relatively modern foe, you will die. The purchase welcomed by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, thanking Canada for protecting Ukrainian skies. But unlike other weapons given to Ukraine, Canada itself lacks this capability. The Canadian Armed Forces has no, zero, none air defense systems from the ground to the air. And I would challenge anybody, any academic scholar out there, to find me one other army in the world that has no air defense systems. In another international crisis, the Biden administration pushing for help on Haiti, hoping Canada would lead a security force to try and deal with gangs blockading ports and frequent kidnappings. Trudeau wouldn't commit to that, instead focusing on sanctions and aid for local police. What we do this time uh, allows for the Haitian people to get the situation under control. And a big part of that is putting those sanctions on the Haitian leadership. Joe Biden also told Trudeau that he'd be visiting Canada in March. Now, there's no date or itinerary for the president's trip yet, but it'll be the first visit of a sitting president to here in Ottawa since Barack Obama addressed Parliament back in 2016. Mackenzie Gray, Global News, Ottawa. By now you know that's Mackenzie Gray, not Kyle Benning. I misspoke. Still ahead? Gas stove manufacturers feeling some heat. Quite surprising and a bit scary sounding. A new study shows the ranges come with some serious health risks to children. Plus, powered by gravity, soapbox derby enthusiasts and their effort to bring back a mission tradition.
Good evening. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge with some leftover volume on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $50 million plus an estimated two max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Stewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Well, another very successful year for the St. Paul Hospital Foundation's Lights of Hope campaign. Three, two, one. The 25th annual Christmas light display helped raise more than $3.6 million for life-saving medical care for thousands of British Columbians. The money will go toward equipment, research and other essential services at St. Paul's. It takes more than 100 people six weeks to set up the 100,000 light display at the Burrard Street location. Well, it's been an annual tradition in the Fraser Valley for decades, but the Mission Soapbox Derby is facing an uncertain future. I just don't want to go away and not come back. The group that puts on the event has seen its membership dwindle since its heyday, and it's become too big a job for the few who left behind. After a 25-year break, the races were restarted in 1999 and ran every summer until 2018, after which a lack of volunteers and then the pandemic put the event on hold. Now the Derby needs more board members to bring it back again this summer. When we have our hot dog sales, we have older people coming up saying, I raced in 19-whatever, 61, and, and on and on and on. I remember that, my, you know, my dad and I built a car together, and on and on and on, right? So it, it's very well known in, in mission. In recent days, several people have come forward with offers to help, but the association says it still needs more board members to make the races happen. The original Mission Soapbox Derby was held way back in 1946. New controversy today over the safety of gas stoves in homes after an official in the U.S. suggested they should be banned. Travis Prasad has the latest in the debate over whether the popular appliances are a health hazard. There's no doubt about it. Modern matchless gas ranges make you a better cook and help you automatically to better meals. For decades, gas stoves have been marketed as the benchmark for quality cooking. But could firing up that burner be harming your family? New peer-reviewed research out of the U.S. suggests a startling link between the pollutants from natural gas stoves and respiratory illness in American kids. The researchers say 12.7% of current childhood asthma is attributed to gas stove use, similar to the childhood asthma burden attributed to secondhand smoke. Quite surprising and a bit scary sounding. In 2018, Canadian researchers found gas ranges did, in fact, release high levels of nitrogen oxides. They tend to be not great for our health, sometimes associated with asthma and other respiratory uh, illnesses. And they got to pretty high levels whenever the gas stove was used, and they lingered. Still, one pediatrician says more research is needed before pointing to gas ranges as a direct cause of asthma in kids. Asthma is a multifactorial disease. It's a disease we're still studying because it's so complex. It's really hard to grasp that 13% of children are uh, having asthma just because of this exposure to gas emission from uh, stoves at home. This latest health controversy comes after a California study last year found gas stoves were leaking cancer-causing benzene into homes, even while turned off. 
The Canadian Gas Association was not available for an on-camera interview, but a U.S. policy strategist claims other studies have found no links and questions the motive behind the research. The science is a little bit murky here as to really why they would focus on this. The real reason they want to focus on this is because they're focused on climate change. They're focused on reducing emissions. Study like this is a headline grabber. I am looking forward in you know coming months to see what the response to this study is from the academic community. A U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner is calling for tougher regulations on gas stoves, but admits banning the appliance would be a long process. Where food is finest, it's cooked with gas. Travis Prasad, Global News. Still ahead, missing the beach in Moose Jaw. A Saskatchewan couple making the best of a forced staycation. Also tonight, a hug for your head. The inspiration behind a BC hat company making sure your purchase is worth it. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Well, a group in Vernon decided to bring out the brighter side of a giant patch of ice on Kalamalka Lake. It's more than 30 feet long all around, 18,000 pounds, four inches thick and smiling. In a post on Facebook, Shonda Hill says it was a team effort to carve out the smiley face in the ice, having the help of more than seven friends. Video shows time lapse of the group working together to make the happy project come to life. <laughs> that is a chili dip. Yeah, no kidding. And, I, and oh, chili dip is one of my favorite things to eat as well. So it just reminds wow. me of that. <laughs> How did you go from that to that? I food don't know. Focused, food my, focused. My mind works in weird ways. Uh, that it looks is. wild behind you right now, Christy. Yeah, the sky was on fire tonight. I know you guys have been working hard, so you probably didn't see the sunset. But for those of you that did, you know exactly what I mean. This uh, image, it really captures it perfectly, looking out from Tawasin Elena Green sending us this. And it was on fire, the entire sky. You know what they say, red skies at night, sailor's delight. Uh, and I guess tomorrow will be pretty good, but on deck beyond that, not so great. Let me show you what's going on. So uh, California getting hammered with a serious atmospheric river uh, sort of yesterday and into last night. We've got another one on deck for that area. So they are already uh, dealing with uh, moisture and they've got a significant amount on the way. We are on the northern edge of this system. We will also be impacted with significant rain and we've got another atmospheric river potentially for next week. Here's the timeline. So tomorrow, why I'm saying maybe sailors delight is we just have a few showers across the region. Inland regions will see some sunshine. In fact, the South Coast area will also see some breaks of blue sky tomorrow. But by the latter part of the day, Vancouver Island will start to see that rainfall push in. So this is the evening hours. And then it will start to shift into Metro Vancouver late evening. Heavy rain, though, expected through the overnight period. And we'll see that on and off throughout the day on Thursday. And then we've got more rain in store for us on Friday and again on on Sunday. And then those of you in the interior regions, especially over higher elevations, will see some snowfall uh, by tomorrow night. But tomorrow, for the most part, looking pleasant. Certainly some cloud cover across the region. And we have about a 40% chance of showers in Metro Vancouver. West coast of Vancouver Island will start to see the rainfall, though, by the afternoon or evening hours. For our region, a pleasant day. Yes, possibly sailor's delight, but by Thursday and Friday, not necessarily so. And I'll leave you with tonight's
tonight's central windows weather window, which is another shot of tonight's sunset because it was so stellar. Thanks to Diana White for that one from Seashell. Okay, that you two. That is to incredible. You. Thank you, Christy. Sorry, I missed mm -hmm. it. Well, over the last several weeks, we've been sharing stories of travel nightmares from across Canada. People who couldn't get home from vacations and some who never even had the chance to go. After surviving, or actually after Sunwing cancelled all flights in and out of Saskatchewan this month, one couple is trying to make the best of the situation with a staycation. Brody Ratcliffe shows us how. Meet Dana and Shane Lapworth. The couple was supposed to be returning from their sunny vacation in Punta Cana January 11th, booked through Sunwing. We haven't been anywhere because COVID, right? Nobody's really traveled, so we thought this will be, be a nice getaway because it's been a long time. Quickly, excitement turned into dismay. Sunwing grounding all flights from Regina and Saskatoon until February. At the beginning, we were really upset. Just, I mean, of course we were, right? Everybody was. For most looking to bathe in the Dominican Republic hot sun, this would be devastating. But the pair decided to have some fun, posting pictures to social media from the sandy beaches of La Ronge. I think there's two different kinds of tunnels that we can do. And taking it one step further, moving their vacation to the notorious city of Moose Jaw. I think it's important to kind of take a step back and just realize that, you know, we're, we're lucky enough in the first place to book a trip. From deja vu to the tunnels and even the Western Development Museum, the couple is hoping for the ultimate Saskatchewan staycation. Tourism Saskatchewan says staying closer to home can be an attractive and affordable option for people looking to unwind. We've got so many provincial parks and, and other parks like Prince Albert National Park that people can explore. Uh, fabulous cross-country ski trails uh, in many of those parks. Uh, you can you can take part in other activities like tobogganing, ice skating, and so forth. Saskatchewan is one of the one of the best places to snowmobile. That you'll find ice fishing. Um, there's 100,000 lakes in the province. There's a ton of ice fishing opportunities and just driving the province. Maybe Vegas in the spring. As for the Lapworths, yeah. they did receive a full refund for their trip, yeah. minus a $100 room upgrade. But the pair remain extremely thankful. Like I said, we're not sick. We're not homeless. You gotta look at the big picture. It's it's just a vacation. Brody Ratcliffe, Global News. Good perspective on it. Wonder what a moose jaw margarita would be like. <laughs> I think yep. a margarita anywhere I'm with you. is tastes like a vacation, so I agree. Even if you have to have it in moose jaw. Squire's hard at work, no vacations for him. What's coming up in sports? Well, we'll show you what happened to the uh, Canucks in Pittsburgh tonight. It was quite entertaining. Not sure it ended the way Canucks Nation wanted it to end, unless you want to get in that Connor Bedard derby. It's <laughs> a good result. Uh, among the players helping the Abbotsford Canucks be one of the best teams in the American Hockey League is Nils Holblander, who, of course, was sent down to Abbotsford after starting the year in Vancouver. I play with a good line, play a lot, and uh, they let me play my style down, down here. He has five points in eight games as he builds up his confidence for another crack at the NHL. Also coming up tonight, a tip of the cap to a different kind of hat company and the man who inspired it. Do blondes have more fun, Sophie? Well, I'm finding that out right now <laughs> a little bit. Thank you for noticing. Yes. I've never had a bad day in my life. I never have either. <laughs> I haven't been blonde for a while, though. It's going a little gray. That you looks might have blonde -ish. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs>
All, All right. right, Squire. Okay. The only natural blonde. Oh, no, I guess you are. Hey, I'm natural. Well, you just said. <laughs> that is great. We'll be back with more hair talk after this. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks, defense is something you call the chain link thing that surrounds your long. It's uh, not a word that seems to mean anything else to them. And tonight in Pittsburgh, legends like Sidney Crosby and Jenny Malkin were eagerly awaiting a chance to face a team that allows lots of grade A chances. And there's Sydney right there. But it's the Canucks who get off to the great start. Now look at this save by Spencer Martin. So the puck goes the other way. And Connor Garland's going to finish it off with a goal here on Casey DeSmith. So it's 1-0 for Vancouver. Very nice. Canucks take a 2-0 lead. Brock Besser gets a goal. Ilya Mikheyev starts things off. Besser's in front. Goes backhand. Two zip. Then the Canucks make it 3-0 in the first period. It's Quinn Hughes. And that's it. Penguins make a goaltending change. And everything seems to change after that. It's 3-1. Now it's 3-2. The Canucks somehow forget to cover that guy. Sidney Crosby. And then before the first period is over, that 3-0 lead is gone. Jason Zucker, 3-3. And then Zucker adds this. It's not bad enough. He hit the third goal. He hits Connor Garland. But Garland's okay. The Canucks, not okay. And Jenny Malkin has a four-point night. A KM, you can't lose the puck at the blue line. And it's Malkin, and it's 4-3. Then Dustin Tokarski make that. For some reason, doesn't come out when the puck's coming in slowly to his end of the ice. He makes a shorthanded save off Pedersen. And then, easy one for Ricard Raquel. 5-3. Spencer Martin, can't blame him. He made a lot of saves. The Canucks gave the Penguins all sorts of chances tonight. Five was all he allowed. Vancouver did get it to 5-4. Travis Dermott, his first of the year. And this one just gets over the line. Tokarski gets over to make the save, but you can see the puck has crossed the line. So that save doesn't mean anything. 5-4. Here's a save for you. Probably the best save of the game. Watch Brock Besser. Hurry! Just gets there in time. But the Canucks couldn't capitalize on that great hustle, and they lose to Pittsburgh 5-4. Tenth time this year, they've blown a multi-goal lead. While the Canucks of Vancouver struggle to win games, the other Canucks down Highway 1 in Abbotsford are not having those problems. The Abbey Canucks are third in the Pacific Division. They've gone on a roll since December, and they're doing it with help from Vancouver with players like Vasily Podkolzin and Nils Hoaglander. Clear, Hoaglander steals, has a shot, and he scores! Eight games into his Abbotsford minor league stint, and Nils Hoaglander is showing the form of a player that the Canucks drafted in the second round of the 2019 draft. He's found his offensive touch and continues to learn to play the game when the puck isn't on his stick. And it's those kind of details which will get Nils back to the National Hockey League and keep him there. It's an adjustment to come down, especially when you played a bunch of NHL games. Uh, the temptation is to try and do a, do a lot individually. Like the main thing is is the work ethic away from the puck to get the puck back, and then when you do get it, being clean with it, and and because uh, then you put yourself in a position to make a difference in the game. And I think, you know, last game for example, he was excellent uh, as far as creating offense for our group. Um, but it starts with the work ethic away from the puck, and the more consistent he can be there, he's going to have even more opportunity uh, to create offense. 
I got a lot of confidence down here. Play with a puck. I play with a good line. Play a lot, and uh, they let me play my style down down here. So I feel like I get uh, good confidence. I have the puck a lot, so it feels feels good. Here's Oman in front. Carlson between the legs scores. It's safe to say that the kids are doing all right down on the farm. Abbotsford's won eight of its last ten and appear to be a safe bet on making the playoffs and perhaps even hosting a few postseason games with players like Linus Carlson and Danila Klimovic being part of a strong supporting cast. Uh, I feel a lot of confidence. Uh, I had like, a, I think I had a bad period for like 10, 15 games ago. Uh, but after that, I think uh, I find something um, to build on and uh, I just continue to build that thing and now I feel like I play, play pretty good. I don't think it hurts guys to be here and, and to grow their game and, and build their habits so that uh, Hopefully those habits, they can propel them to an eight, 10 year career. Vancouver Warriors have let go of their management team. GM Dan Richardson and his assistant Ken Thomas are both out. Uh, the Warriors record under Richardson, not good, 15 and 38, but the coaching staff remains intact for now. There you go. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Up next, hats that are a hug for your head in more ways than you'd expect. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Kamal Kermali is standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Kamal. Chris, the staffing shortage at one school district has teachers raising the alarm tonight. A union representing Chilliwack teachers says the staffing issue is hitting a critical point as the district hires uncertified teachers. The union says they're there to fill job gaps but get little training beforehand. We'll hear from teachers on why they're feeling the burnout now more than before and the renewed calls to recruit more staff. That's coming up on Global News at 11. All right, Kamal, thank you. Well, the cost of counseling is a barrier for many people who need it, but one BC man is making sure no case goes uncovered. He started a hat company inspired by a friend he lost along the way. And as Jay Durant shows us on This Is BC, wearing one is worth it. Mental health is a tough subject. A hug for your head. That's the tagline for Ben Miller's hat company that so far has raised enough money to pay for more than 6,000 counseling sessions for people who otherwise couldn't afford them. Everyone should, should have a counselor. Everyone should have uh, someone that they talk to. Miller launched Worth Hats in memory of his good friend Jacob Worth, who struggled with mental health and took his own life. This business was his dream. And he just blurted out, he's like, a hat company, man. I want to start a hat company. <laughs> he looked at it as like a defining piece of someone's outfit. Like he looked at hats more as, you know, people call them accessories. He didn't look at it as an accessory. I've got one now, homie. Oh, <laughs> you. Sales have been great. Worth hats has helped a lot of people, but there's so much more to do. I'm grateful that so many people are accessing it, but I think it's only a drop in the bucket of what, what's really needed. 
That's why Miller's Quad Bike Race fundraiser for mental health is coming back this summer after a five-year hiatus. Going into the unknown. All for a worthy cause, even if it's not the easiest trip for participants. This is hell. Yeah. It was 14 days that felt like 14 months. I couldn't even walk. I was like, I was just struggling to get out of bed. And the thought that I had to do this again and again. Until then, Miller's busy boxing up orders and getting set to launch some new designs that he's sure his friend would have been proud of. Every time I pick up a new Worth hat, is like, oh, this would be something Jake would love for sure. I wanted him to have, uh, to help him fulfill that dream and to cross that off his bucket list. Jay Durant, Global News. Very cool. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell and you want to share it with the rest of BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Great hats, too. Yeah, they're cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Christy Gordon, that was a beautiful sunset that we saw in pictures. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll give the last uh, word on weather to you tonight. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to get outside and enjoy a little bit of tomorrow. We will see some breaks in the clouds, still a few showers, especially I think earlier in the day with breaks later in the day. But by tomorrow night, yes, rain is here and it's likely going to impact us for two days. All right, back to you guys. Not as bad as California. That's all we can say about no. that. Yeah, exactly. We'll continue, continue to follow that story. Thanks very much, Christy. And thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Night, all.